Well, good to see you all, and I want to thank you just in a, a past couple weeks for your prayers, just with the knee surgery I had. Uh, so I'm up and uh, about, which is good. I had a torn meniscus and had that repaired, and uh, uh, I actually just did that in the garage myself, and uh, seemed to go seemed to go great. Uh, well, happy Mother's Day uh, to all of you. So glad you're uh, here celebrating uh, with us. And uh, we're about to dive into our series in Colossians. We've been working through the book already the last uh, number of weeks. Josh did an excellent job last week. We're grateful for that. And now uh, continuing in chapter one, you can start turning there. And uh, just as you're turning there, I tell you kind of a, a fun story we had happen to us uh, a couple weeks ago. Adrian had a friend from Chicago that's wanted for a long time to visit the Ellen Show. I don't know if has anyone here ever gone to a TV show or a talk show or anything like that? Well, she was trying to get the tickets for quite a while uh, to attend uh, this show. And so Adrian got invited to go and so did Stephanie. And so the three of them went down and they had a part in the show where they were having uh, somebody came up and was winning different prizes. You know, they do that kind of stuff on the, uh, these shows. And uh, my wife texts me and uh, she tells me she, there was an opportunity where uh, one of the guests that was up there, whatever they won... Everyone in the audience won. And so she's like, well, thinking, well, what's this going to be? You know, like what, what's going to happen? And so my wife and her friends each won a 65-inch television and soundbar, uh, which we were pretty excited about. And so she texts me about this. And I'm like, yes, we could use a new television, which was kind of cool. And, uh, and so I'm like, oh, that, was, that was good news. Then she texts me a little, actually, she called me a little bit later. And she's like, you know, when we were leaving, we were going to pick up the televisions. There was four ladies there that didn't have a way to transport theirs. So she's like, they wanted to sell them to us for 20 bucks each. Do you think we should get it? Is it worth it? I'm like, Uber, let's get on the phone. They can help us get those home. So your pastor has been uh, selling uh, televisions out of the church basement uh, for the last couple of weeks. And so if you're, you're wondering uh, why you see people coming up with new televisions, uh, that's the, the reason why. And so kind of a fun story, but the idea of well, the question, was it worth it? Uh, not because she doesn't know. She's like, well, it'll take a lot of hassle to kind of coordinate that. Uh, the cheapo husband, yes, it's worth it. We'll sell those suckers. Uh, so anyway, fun fun story, but it goes with our title there, this title of worth it. If you think about it, you might not even realize this. You spend a good percentage of your time without necessarily realizing this, that you're always assessing whether or not things are worth it, whether or not things are worth your time, whether or not they're worth your affection, whether or not they're worth your, uh, your resources. That's kind of a consistent thing we do throughout our life, whether we recognize it or not, is we assess the worth of things. And it's usually demonstrated our conclusion on the worth of things, I would say, in two different areas in our life. Number one is in our day planner. You can see what someone's conclusions are about what is worth it how they choose to spend their time. The second area I'd say that we see someone's conclusions about values and what's worth it or not, what you, what's your guess? Your checkbook. So your day planner and your checkbook often reveal a lot about what you elevate as important or what you elevate as worth it. And so as I look at this room, my question for you is, what would your date book and your, or, your, or your calendar or your phone, what would it reflect about what you value? What would your checkbook reflect about what you value or hold as being worth it? You see, we tend to exchange things for things that we believe are actually worth it. And here, we're about to hear from Paul, 
who's our author, who wrote this book in its response to an encounter he had with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, where his life was never, ever the same. He concluded this in Philippians 3, 8, 9. He says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or trash in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. He understood that all things were worth the trade-off because of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ and knowing him personally and intimately. He was willing to trade it all. Here's what he's doing. He's writing to an audience there that he's never met. He's writing with that same proposal and saying, listen, the same thing he's saying to us 2,000 years later He's worth it. He's worth it. He's worth the exchange of it all. We're going to look at this section of scripture exploring that, but let me pray first. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time together, and we thank you for even a chance to celebrate you through song and to celebrate the gift of life here this morning. You're so good and so faithful to us. We ask now that you teach us through this text. We thank you that you do speak through your word. And we ask that this morning. We ask that you'd allow us to be free from distraction, that we'd be able to focus because we believe that there's something for each person in this room this morning, not for the person down the road, but for ourselves. God, we invite you to meet us now in the strong name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So chapter one of Colossians, uh, we're in verse 24 and we're picking up where Josh had left off and we'll see if you can identify what we're talking about, the worth of something. Verse 24, it says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. We'll stop there for a little explanation. I don't know if you've heard this quote before by Martin Luther King Jr. He said this, he says, life isn't worth living until you have found something worth dying for. You've maybe heard that said in different settings. And really, I think there's some truth to that. And that's what Paul is getting at, is that really he lived this out, not just in suffering, but even being willing to die for something because it was of such worth or value. Something that was beyond uh, any kind of discomfort. And when I first read that, maybe you've heard that that verse uh, growing up or over the years, it says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Upon first read, you're like, was he a little bit like mentally off? Like who would rejoice in their sufferings? That almost sounds strange or weird. But if you think about it, it wasn't an issue of like, woohoo, I get to suffer. It's no, instead, it's understanding of the value of the thing that he's suffering for. Now, mom, since we're here on Mother's Day, imagine if your son or daughter was playing in the street And you had the opportunity when the car's coming, you raced across, grabbed him, brought him or her to safety, and in the process, ended up scraping your knee. Do you think at any point you would look at that knee and be like, oh man, I don't know if it's worth it. You know, that might, that might scab up, you know, my supermodeling days over, you know, like that's, this this is all, this is all going to throw off my commercials. I do like, no, like you would say, oh, of course I would do that because what? 
for the sake of your child. I would hope that would be elevated because you're like, it's, it's no big deal. And so similarly, he's saying this of the, the audience that he's writing to. He's like, man, I'll suffer for your sake because what's the one thing in 10,000 years that's still going to matter? The people around us. Jesus Christ will still matter. Nothing else. He's saying that's what's worth it. That's why he's elevated to that degree. We were out a few weeks ago. If you remember, we had this outreach event just before Easter. And uh, we were putting door hangers on different doors in our community. You guys might remember we had that opportunity on Thursday night. Remember when we were out, uh, I had the chance to walk around with my son, Chase. And he said this to me. He's like, he's like Dad, do you think anybody will respond to these door hangers? Is anybody going to actually come because of this, in other words? And I was like, well, I don't know. I said, but what if, what if, what if one person made the choice because they saw this crazy little flyer to come to the service, they hear about the life-changing, eternity-altering good news of Jesus Christ because we took an hour or so hanging these on door handles. Do you think that would be worth it? like, well, yeah, I guess. And, uh, and, so, and, and, and so really, this is the same point that, that Paul's making. This is the same exact point. He say, he's saying the same thing he said in Hebrews 12, 3. He says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Imagine going through what he went through on our behalf. So he takes his responsibility really seriously. You see it there in the text. It says, of which I became a, a minister according to the stewardship from God. Stewardship from God. I, I, I read that statement this weekend and uh, uh, this week and uh, made me think of, uh, maybe it's a Chicago thing. The, anybody who grew up watching the Blues Brothers? Uh, these knuckleheads with sunglasses. And, and whenever they got caught doing something especially stupid, they would explain themselves by saying, but we're on a Wow, we have seen the Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God. And the thing that made everybody laugh when they said that was what? Because you're like, no, they're not. They're a bunch of morons. You know, like they're not on a mission from God. But what if you actually were on a mission from God? That's what Paul's saying. He's like, man, we have a, a stewardship. We've been entrusted with this calling to get the word out in its fullness. You see it in the end of that verse, to make the word of God fully known. He says something that's a little bit unique there. He says, describes himself as what he was doing. He says, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. I'm filling up what's lacking in Christ's affliction. Now, upon first read there, you might be like, are you trying to say that something was like what Jesus did was kind of short? It was lacking? No, that's not it at all. What I, what I find interesting is how many people, when they read scripture, they come upon a verse that's a little bit confusing and it like derails their entire faith. You're like, just dig in just a little bit. This was an expression from that day and time. He actually used it back in Philippians as well. Philippians 2.30, when he was talking about the church, that they were filling up their lack of service. So they're sending this gentleman by the name of Epaphroditus to bring the gift and continue what had been started. So this is just Paul saying, I'm picking up and continuing the pattern that Jesus had started because Jesus wasn't there to do that. Now, if you think about us, that's what we're doing. We're picking up exactly where he left off. It's an amazing thing with the intent of ultimately making the word of God fully known. 
Some people might wonder why on Sundays you're like, man, it just seems like all you guys do at ABF is just work through books of the Bible, you know, just verse by verse. Why don't you come up with a cool topic or title or something like that? Uh, 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 Let's talk about some specific topics. And here's the reason we don't do that is this verse, because we're wanting to make the word of God fully known. Guess what happens if I come up with topics and series and things I think we should talk about? You just get a best of list of the things I might think are cool for you to listen to. Here's the thing with working through God's word. There's lots of things in here I don't really necessarily want to talk about. They wouldn't make my top 10 list. But you see, that's how you get a full diet of what God has for you. That's what God has invited us to be a part of. So it's worth the suffering. It's also, verse 26, worth the wait. Take a look at this. It says, The mystery hidden for, for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm wondering how many of us grew up in the era where it was pre-Netflix, pre-Hulu, pre-DVRs, where you had to actually get up early to watch cartoons on Saturday morning. Anybody uh, have that season of your life? I remember you'd complain all week about getting up at like 7 a.m. for school, but on Saturday, you're up at 6 a.m. to watch cartoons, right? And I remember uh, that was part of our weekly routines, just ready to go before our parents were even up. And one of my personal favorites, I don't know if anybody else uh, enjoyed this, I loved me some Scooby-Doo. Like I, uh, ro raggy. Like I, I, I enjoyed Scooby-Doo, like the every single one of them, it all built towards what? The final conclusion where the mystery would be solved. Where finally the, the you remember how it worked? They take the, the hood or the mask off of the villain and uh, it'd be like, oh, Professor Johnson, he was hiding the priceless jewels in his library books. You're like, oh, I didn't see it coming. And they, the, the, the guilty party would always say the, the same thing. What did he say? They'd say, if it weren't for these meddling kids, man, those meddling kids. Every time it was this amazing reveal. And that's just the stupidest connection I could possibly do to this. But it's a silly comparison. But imagine for all the audience of this day and time, they had been waiting generation after generation after generation for this mystery. What is this Messiah going to be like? Wait a second, we have passages that talk about him as a, a conquering king in the Old Testament, but then we have passages talking about him as a suffering servant. How do those two worlds work? How, how does that come together? How does that make any sense from the Old Testament? No one would have guessed what Jesus Christ showed up and did came as a suffering servant to die on a cruel Roman cross as a payment for our sins. So that could be taken care of so that we could have a relationship with God restored back to the initial design. He solved our sin issue and he also solved the separation between us and God. But here's the part that the text points to that I think is pretty cool. It says, the riches of the glory of this mystery. In other words, saying the very coolest part, the riches of the the glory, the coolest part of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
the coolest part that he's pointing to is the fact that he didn't just come to our rescue and the potential to maybe have coffee with God every once in a while so you could have a semi-quasi relationship. No, he came so that Christ could set up camp inside of you, could set up to move in, to set up camp. And this isn't like, a, I was talking to a friend from Illinois that was telling me that their uh, a parent recently sold their house and then texted them, hey, is it okay if I live in your basement? And he wasn't joking. And, uh, and, and here's the, the, the roommate idea. It was pretty intense there. But here, this is the best news possible. This is the one that our soul longs for, the per- perfect source of wisdom, of direction, the closest possible friend. And he's saying, I want to come in and reside in you. That was the amazing part of this message. That has two parts to it. The part of celebration, which I just mentioned, man, we, we've longed for this. We're designed for this. We're made for this relationship. But then there's also, let's be honest, since we're in church, there's a little bit of a convicting part of that reality too. The reality that if he's setting up camp inside of us, he's with you 24-7. He's with you all the time. There, there's no, I, I saw this illustration that a, another pastor did. A lot of people, he said, think of it like, like j- consider it as jacket Jesus. A lot of people think of this idea that Jesus is something that we get to put on when we're heading to church. You know, when you're coming here, you're wanting to look good. This is when you're like, I like having Jesus on. But then when you're having drinks with your co-work friends, that's when Jesus comes off. Oh, life group's on the schedule. He's coming back on, you know? That's, uh, we're, we're putting Jesus back on for life group so I can impress everybody with how much I know. And then you're like, ah, oh, but now I've got to go stand in line at the United Airlines ticket counter and deal with them messing up my flight. You know, that's when the jacket, <laughs> is that too close to real? Is that too close? That comes off. It comes back on dinner with the in-laws, you know, time to... <laughs> Time to put Jesus back on, you know? That's a, wait, wait a second. We're done with dinner. Now it's time to argue with my wife, you know? That's when it's time to take that off. Put it back on for, you You fill in the blanket here. Put it back on, you know? I was on Facebook and this is a great opportunity for a self-righteous comment. Let's get some Jesus on. We'll write a little something I've been itching to say. Now, wait a second. It's time to take it back off. You fill in the blank here. What do you, what do you take it off for? What's, what's the reason that you take it off? It's, uh, yeah, ro- road rage. Somebody cut you off. You're like, that G- Jesus jacket's gone. Like that, that's forget it. And here's the thing, the truth of this, that's not how it works. He's with us 24-7. We don't get to pick and choose when we're choosing to put him on. That's the new reality. And for some of us are like, that sounds kind of scary. But here's the thing to understand. He's not the God that's with you just waiting there with a club to bash you recently talking to some friends of ours who have a, a teenage son that's kind of wandering off doing a kind of his own thing. And he, they're like, oh man, I wish that they could understand that it's not the rules that we're so concerned about with them. I just want their heart. I just want their heart. I just want to see them head in the, in the right direction. I so long for them to be going towards and drawing close to Christ. And that's similarly with our heavenly father that's set up camp in us. He's worth the wait. He's set up himself inside of us. That is good news. Continue in verse 28. 
with worth talking about. It says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Another way that you'll find you'll get to know somebody and kind of what they value is not just their bank account, not just their calendar, but also by the things they talk about, right? When you actually spend any significant time with them, you get to know them a little bit. You're like, man, it sure seems like they elevate that as a value of the things that they talk about. As a pastor, you end up in all kinds of unique conversations with people. I recently heard of a a pastor friend of mine that was telling me about a, uh, and this barely relates, but work with me here. Uh, He's telling me about a conversation that he had after a service. He's talking to a a lady that that she shared with him that she suffered from FAS. Guys, know what FAS stands for? Foreign accent syndrome. Foreign accent. So, in the course of a five minute conversation, she went from like a southern drawl to a French accent to like, he's like, what, what in the world? Can you imagine? And, and so, that has nothing to do with this. But the point is, is that the thing that I thought it was funny, uh, look it up, it's a thing. Uh, but here's the, the idea the things that you guys are like, how does that relate? It doesn't. It's okay. It's a commercial break. Uh, so, Here's the idea, though, is the things that we say speak volumes about the things that we value, right? The things that we say speak volumes. And what he's saying is there's certain things that are worth talking about. Verse 28, him we proclaim. Him we proclaim. I get convicted about this. I have to check my own heart on this sometimes in my own conversations where I'm like, man, I sure I'm talking about cars or home improvement or about the Golden State winning without Durant. Uh, what I, you know, wh- whatever it is that you start talking about and elevating shows a little bit of where your heart is at. And I'm not saying that we have to be detached and disconnected from the world in which we're in, but I a- am saying that Jesus should be on the tip of our tongue. When there's opportunity and conversation to point towards him, to celebrate him, to talk about the change he's had in our life, man, seize those moments. They say something about what we value. And he gives this charge. He says, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone. He gets specific in what we're called to do. Warning everyone and teaching everyone. That goes a little bit against the grade, though. If you think about the warning piece, usually we save warnings for people that we're really close to, right? Warnings are usually like, think about you with, uh, with kids-related stuff. Usually the warnings and corrections are almost always for your own kids, like my own three knuckleheads. That's who I watch. I kind of let your kids do whatever they're going to do, unless they're throwing rocks in my fountain out there. But anyway, uh, no, just kidding, uh, kind of. Uh, so... <laughs> So uh, the, the warning piece is the idea here that he's called us and invited us to actually step out and give a word of caution. What do you think he's talking, what warning is he talking about? The warning of the reality of what's at the end of the line for each one of us. At some point, every single one of us is going to stand before our maker and give an account of our life. That's not a popular thing to share with with somebody. It's sometimes hard to say, but it is the reality. And the question is, is what is your plan in that interaction? Are you going to say, you know what? I know you sent your son. I know you lived the perfect life. I know you died on a cross. I've chosen to say no to that. I'm going to go in. I'm going to go based on my own good works. You know, here's my resume, God. Take a look at this. You see all the, like, are you kidding me? That's your game plan? Or is the warning to say, 
don't do that. Choose to bend a knee, embrace his finished work on the cross. That's a much better plan. This is the type of interactions we're invited to or charged to, and it's worth it. It's worth it. I heard a pastor talking about this uh, question, and I don't really know the answer to it. He said, I wonder if saints, people that have died before us, followers of Jesus Christ, had the opportunity to come back, get on the playing field back in this life, and have one more shot at warning friends and relatives about what's coming on the other end of this if they wouldn't be rushing back on the field. Now, I know there's all kinds of theological problems with that, and you can say, you can point to, of course they wouldn't because there's no regret in heaven, blah, blah, I get it, I get it. But my point is, my point is this, living without regret involves warning people, it involves teaching people what you know, and he's entrusted us with so much, and it's worth it. It's talking about my grandfather, who really in his last couple days had a chance to interact with my father. My father asked him a couple questions. Hey, if you could go back and have done anything different, what would you do? He's like, man, if I could go back, I would have talked to more people about Jesus. I would have brought it up more in conversation. I would have engaged more. I brought that story up, and Stephanie, uh, in the office here at the church, she said, you know what, that's so funny, because my grandfather, guess what his one regret was? Same thing. Wish I would have talked to more people about Jesus. Let's not be those people. It's worth talking about. It's worth any kind of discomfort or awkwardness. We proclaim, warning everyone, and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Verse 29 says, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those of Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to, te- to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's pointing out the fact that there's been a lot of struggle. He kind of repeats it a couple times for this. I toil, struggling with all his energy. I want you to know how great the struggle. The word struggle, we get the word agon from. The word agon actually is where the word agony comes from. Or we have the picture that he's like, man, I go through everything, the agony, the suffering, all so that what? You'd be encouraged and knit together in love. I love that expression or idea of being knit together in love because really, if you think about it, when you're looking for motivators, for speaking up, for suffering, going through challenging things for the gospel, the only thing that's a lasting and compelling motivator is love. That's the only thing. You're gonna, by by two o'clock this afternoon at the Cheesecake Factory, you're gonna completely forget what the pastor had to say for sure. That's just because I'm headed there. But uh, but the the idea is that the only compelling thing is if God does a work in each of us in loving each other. That's the one thing that's gonna allow this to last. That's gonna cause us to be willing to go through suffering and inconvenience and and awkward conversations and and weirdness and people thinking you're kind of off base. It's only worth it if you love, if you're knit together in love. My question for us as a church, as a family is, how are we doing with that? How's our, our love meter? 
How are we doing with, with, with loving people? I was writing this out and I was kind of processing through that. I do all of this kind of personal self-assessment too. And I was thinking about, man, in this church, there's just so many people that I just, just love. I got this email from, uh, from one of our elders this week, just real encouraging, uplifting email. So fun. You guys have such great leaders here. You don't even necessarily realize it behind the scenes. And he wrote this. And I remember at the end of that, I was just like, man, I just, just love that guy. Just so grateful to serve with him, with partners in ministry like that, with staff, and just so so cool. Just just loved. And then then on this past Sunday, I got to perform a, a wedding, and I I really enjoy uh, doing weddings. And this one was kind of cool. Uh, some of you, when you're at a wedding, you typically uh, watch the bride when she's coming down, and she looks all lovely. I have this weird tendency. I kind of like I'm standing right up there. I kind of like watching the groom. To be honest, I kind of like watching his face as he's kind of like you know, sw- does that kind of weird swallowing, you know, like the, the big eyes, the smile, maybe tearing up a little bit. It's just, it just, it's just fun. I remember this last Sunday, I was just thinking, man, I just love these guys so much. Like it's so, so praying God's best on them that they're going to succeed and do well in marriage. I don't know what he's doing in your heart with that. How about last Sunday when Josh is up here, he's sharing the story about what? about this beautiful little baby on the way. How many of you were like stirred where you're just, man, I just love those guys. We're just praying that God blesses that little family, uses it. How's your love meter? God's design for his church isn't just an event that we come to, but a relationship that we have. That's what makes this work. Otherwise, stay home and watch online. You're missing it otherwise if you don't have those relational connects. And that takes work. It takes investment. It takes time spent with each other. His heart and his desire was that they be knit together in love to reach all the riches and full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Knit together with that in mind. We'll end with this last couple verses, verse four of the next of chapter two. It says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. It's kind of wrapping up that idea as he's uh, kind of finishing this thought, or at least in this, this section of the book, he's saying, man, I just, I just want so badly that, you don't, that you're not deluded. Delude means to deceive, fool, or impose misleading belief. Plausible arguments are to something that's believable or credible. He's saying, man, I don't want you to be swayed in what it is you elevate. We started by talking about that. We have choices as to what it is that's actually worth our affection, our time, our energy, our resources. Like, I don't want you swayed with that. I don't want you going different directions. He uses the term, he says, as he's rejoicing, he says, to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. He's like, that's what I want for you. Those are actually military terms, good order and firmness. This good order, the picture of good order, maybe he got this from his Roman soldiers he's attached to, but good order, I don't know if you've ever seen in a, in a movie before where they have the shields in the middle of battle and they all get really close together and they have one shield next to another shield and there's no kind of entry point. Has anybody seen any of these kind of military movies? No kind of entry point, end of that. And literally everyone's life depended on it them sticking together, 
that them staying firm. And that's why he's saying, man, I just long for you not to be swayed by arguments and the appeals of this word, but for instead for you to remain firm, stuck together. I like that he reminds them, and this is the part I thought was so cool. Yet I am with you in spirit. This is so cool because he's never met any of them. He's never been around them. But that's the cool thing that we have to cling to is what you're invited to is to stand firm, but you're not alone in this. Not even just all these folks in here. We're surrounded with people that are in the same exact fight and fighting the same, holding firm just in the same exact way. I, uh, last week, um, man, I just sound like such a salesperson, but I was selling my daughter's bunk bed because uh, she's, kind of uh, she's kind of going to this next stage where she wants to move into a, a bigger kid's bed, you know? And so we're selling this thing and uh, on Facebook, buy, sell, trade, have this thing listed. And uh, it's kind of cool because Facebook allows you to see who's actually buying your stuff, which I like better than Craigslist. Facebook, you can actually kind of stalk the person and see who's buying your, your whatever. Uh, and so am I the only one that does this? Uh, anybody else? Maybe I am. Uh, but anyway, so there's this thing where you can look up and see who the person that expresses interest. So this, this lady that was wanting to buy the bunk bed, I, I'm kind of stalking her online and uh, not really in a weird way. Uh, this, this lady... And, uh, and I look and she's uh, Hispanic and she's got all of her stuff is, is not in English. You know, I'm kind of going down all the things that she's saying all of her posts, but I know enough Espanol un poco uh, to understand all of the things that she was saying was all pointing glory to Jesus. All of these things were talking about how awesome God is and how awesome Jesus is. And man, there's something that started welling up. I'm like, I, I've never met this lady, but I'm like, man, when she shows up, we're giving her a comforter set, matching curtains. I've got the trash can that matches too. We're, we're doing the pictures on the, seriously, pictures on the wall. We're get, it's going to be a bonus package. She hit the jackpot. You think Ellen was good? She's got nothing. And, uh, and, and so, and, and so we, we have this opportunity and she, she, she sent some relatives to pick up this stuff. And she later, she's like, I appreciate all the bonuses. <laughs> and I was like, it was so cool. But I was thinking about, it, I was like, that's, the, that's God's design. He's like, man, he wants us knit together in love and to recognize that, man, Christ followers are supposed to be in this together, standing firm, even people you've never met, all of us all of this pointing to the same exact conclusion that I've come to, it's worth it. It's worth it. When you're assessing things, when you're looking across the landscape of things appealing for our time, energy, and resources, man, I don't know much of anything else that would qualify like Jesus Christ. Let me pray. And God, that's why we gather, is to celebrate you, to celebrate your son, to put the focus on him, to recenter ourselves, to realign our, our hearts that easily wander. Our prayer, my prayer, is that all of us are moving towards this, taking steps towards elevating you as the top priority, the one that we're willing to suffer for, the one that we're willing to speak up about, the one that we're, the one that we're willing to leave other things behind for, the one that we're celebrating a partnership as you live inside of us. What an awesome gift that is. God, this morning, we just want to put the, the spotlight on you, even in this last song, just celebrating your faithfulness. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.
Well, so glad you chose to be with us here on Mother's Day. A couple things just as you're leaving. We've created a gift for all the moms in the room, and actually we've kind of expanded it. So if you're a mom, ladies, or if you have a mom, you're welcome to take this as you leave today, a chocolate bar as a gift to you. And here's the thing, as you can tell anyone that asks you if, you if they can have some, that the pastor said you don't have to share because it's Mother's Day. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.